welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We started a, a new series last week uh, called Heroes, Discovering Your Kingdom adventure, and we began with the invitation that Jesus gives to each one of us to follow him, and that that invitation is to adventure, that adventure awaits you saying yes and leaning into those next opportunities of following Jesus, into participating in the things of the kingdom of God, and discovering and stepping into the plans and the purposes that he has for your life. And we're going to continue that sermon series This morning, I was reminded this week of uh, my youth pastor from when I was in uh, uh, my junior and senior years of high school. I was in Palm Springs, California, and my youth pastor's name was Mike, and Mike was only about 21 years old. He had only been out of high school a few years himself, and in high school, he had kind of been a, a wild man. He had kind of been a burnout hippie for a while, and then all of a sudden, Jesus got a hold of his heart, and he was a different person. He was excited about the things of God. He was transformed from the inside out, and he was beginning to participate in ministry and was active in trying to bring the joy of the Lord that he had received and translate that to others. And he was really good at building relationships. He was really good at inviting people into participating uh, with him in the things that God was doing in his life. And frequently, he would call uh, me or a few of my friends, and he would say this, do you want to go to Edom Hill? Uh, Edom, E-D-O-M, not Edom, like I'm going to go to the store and get some chips and eat them, but Edom Hill. And for you, that, that there's no context for that. That doesn't mean anything. You don't know whether or not I should say yes or no to that. Uh, but it was something that I frequently said yes to because here's what it meant. It was an invitation for Mike to pick you up, and you would get into his little four-door late models, uh, 1980s uh, front-wheel drive car. I don't even remember what... The, the model of the car was, I do know that it was red, and its name was Sally. And then you would get on these desert roads, and you would head up to the top of this hill outside of Palm Springs, California, in the desert called Edom Hill, and we would drive up there, and we would pull out our sleeping bags, and we'd just sleep there in the sand and in the dirt on the top of the hill looking at the stars. It was an invitation to just kind of a silly adventure. And the question of, of uh, when he would say, hey, do you want to go to Edom Hill? I, I would always fire back or follow that up with a question of my own. And it was never kind of what time or what's the weather, right? It wasn't a responsible question. It wasn't, hey, is this time we going to have a tent or are we going to take any food? There was only one question that I wanted to know when he was inviting me to participate with him, and it was this, who else is going? Right? I mean, isn't that the question that oftentimes we ask? We've got this opportunity to go and do something kind of wild or silly or adventurous, but, but there's this thought in, our, in the back of our mind where we, we want to know who else is going. If you had a buddy who called you up and said, hey, let's go to the reservoir this afternoon, uh, you might ask, uh, who else is going? Or you might say, hey, did you check the weather? Maybe I'll take a pass this time. We're a little bit more grown up and mature now, but young you would have only considered who's going as kind of the reasoning behind the decision make, a decision that you were going to make. And, and I bring that up to you to just kind of illustrate that a lot of those things that we would kind of lean into as kind of, kind of a wild and adventurous um, interaction or activity when we were younger, uh, wasn't, we weren't 
typically considering how do I go and do this alone? Now, as you get older and as especially you have kids, sometimes your adventure is just a nap alone or not having to eat snacks in the closet, something along those lines. But primarily, when we would think of it young, uh, this idea of going on adventure, we're going to go collectively. We're going to go together. And I start with that this morning because the, the call of God on your life is a call to adventure, but it's not a call to adventure alone. It's not just a call for you to kind of go off into the wild and find yourself. And it's not even a singular call for you to just go with Jesus on kind of your own singular adventure. That the call of God on your life is to go on an adventure of participating in the things of the kingdom of God. And it is to go with the collective of God's people into the fullness of that. That the invitation is to have uh, uh, the living God moving in and through your life. It's an invitation to participate in the things of the kingdom of God, to see the power of God demonstrated in your life, but not just for your benefit, not just for your own moment or growth or your comfort, but primarily something that God wants to do in and through you to benefit those around you, that you would be a part of what he is doing to actively redeem the world. This call to, is to adventure, but it's not a call to go alone. And if you remember last week, we talked about this invitation, this invitation to uh, not just be passive and not just kind of to be moral or to have good church attendance, but this invitation to follow Jesus, a wild and living God, into the things of the kingdom of God. And we, we talked about that idea to follow, but I want to remind you that as he would say, follow me, he also says to go and make. You remember that? That he would say to each one of the disciples, come and follow me, and they would become his disciple. But then in Matthew 28, he says, go and what? Make disciples. That there's a coming to Jesus, and then there is a going to do in his name and on his behalf, participating in the things of the kingdom of God. He would say, come to me, and then he would say, go and do. And when he commissioned the disciples and sent them out kind of on many ministry assignments, uh, this is recorded in the Gospels, he would send them out in, as in pairs of two, the group of 12, and then the group of 70 or 72. When he sent them out, he would say, hey, you have freely received, so now go freely give. That there's this coming and going um, type of a pattern that we see in the way that we participate in the things of God. So we're simultaneously invited to follow Jesus, but to lead others. That there's this simultaneous pattern that we're invited to go into this adventure. And so as we're considering going on our heroic kingdom adventure, I would remind you to ask this question, who who is going with you? Who is going with you? Who are you following into that? And who are you inviting to follow you? Because the primary thing that God wants to do in your life isn't just for your life, but it is to be done through your life as well to benefit others around you. And so if you've got your Bible, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and get it out and raise it up. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and open up your Bible app. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord this morning. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth of your word. Give us a sensitivity to your spirit, uh, that we would hear your word, that we would receive it, that we would take it down to our inmost heart, Lord, that it would take root, that it would bear fruit, 
And Lord, that you would use it to bring transformation in our lives as we become sensitive to the leading of your spirit and acting in faith upon your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at an Old Testament passage today. So with your Bibles out, I want to invite you to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to go here because we're going to look at a dynamic between some individuals that's going to illustrate this need for us to kind of go and do collectively. The way that God would use our kingdom adventure to bring others into kingdom adventure and at the same time places where we might be handing off and allowing our story to become the story of somebody else as well. Uh, Because I want to remind you again that much of your growth Much of your healing and your wholeness, much of your development of faith, uh, your strength, much of your maturity is to be used to aid others in their own kingdom adventure with Jesus. And so we're going to pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to be introduced to a couple guys, and you're going to have a hard time keeping them straight if you don't have your Bible open, or you're going to have to be a super careful listener, because we're going to be talking about a man named Elijah. Say, Elijah. You at home, I didn't hear you. A little bit louder. Elijah. All right. Thank you, those of you at home. I'm just going to take that on faith. And then Elisha. You're like, wait a minute. It wasn't that the same one. No. Elijah with a J. Elisha with an S-H. If you're wondering, how do you even keep those straight? Uh, Elijah and Elisha in the chronology of Scripture. Elijah comes first. And how does Pastor Ben remember that? The J comes before the S in the alphabet. You're welcome. You're all seminarians now, and you are versed in Old Testament uh, prophetic uh, chronology. Whatever. I try to be too smart for my own good. All right, so we've got Elijah and we've got Elisha. We're going to be picking up in 1 Kings chapter 19, and there's going to be a dynamic of invitation and leading and following uh, that, that we want to make sure that we're building on this morning. So picking up in verse 19, you can go ahead and read along with me. So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Now we're going to circle back in a little bit, and we'll talk about where Elijah had been and where he was coming from. Uh, because it does pertain to the story later. But Elijah went from there. He found Elisha. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So he was out just doing farm work. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. So he placed his cloak or his mantle or his jacket around Elisha. And Elisha Uh, then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. So this is something significant. It's arresting his attention, and he's responding immediately. And Elijah, uh, he runs after Elijah, and Elisha says this. He says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, right? Let me go say goodbye to moms and pops, and, uh, and then I will come with you. And Elijah's response was, go back, what have I done to you? That's He's giving him permission to go ahead and do that. Verse 21 says this, so Elisha, right? This was the guy plowing the field. Are you keeping it straight or are you lost already? Right, the J and the S, it's really important. Elisha left him and he went back. He took his yoke of oxen, he slaughtered them, he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate and then he set out to follow Elijah 
and become his servant. So Elijah comes, he puts his jacket on him. He sees that as an invitation. He says, let me go say goodbye to moms and pops. He says, that's fine. So he goes back and he slaughters his oxen. He builds a big bonfire. He has a party and a straight up barbecue. And then he leaves town. Everybody tracking? All right, so this is Elijah and Elisha and what's going on here. Now, Elijah is a prophet, right? Elijah with the J, the first guy in the sequence, he's a prophet. He's actually the capital P prophet of God to Israel. And so there was a number of other people who functioned prophetically. There were actually schools of prophets or collectives of prophets in a number of different towns throughout the the nation of Israel. But Elijah had been designated and set apart. He was kind of like the capital P prophet. He was the one who was hearing directly from the Lord, speaking his word directly to the people. And he was demonstrating his credibility by incredible, miraculous demonstrations of the power of God. And you could go back and read through the first several chapters of 1 Kings to to visit some of those and what does that look like and and how was that being demonstrated. But Elijah, everybody knew and understood to be this capital P prophet speaking the very word of God to the people of God. And he comes and he comes to Elisha and he places his cloak on him And what's being done here is there is an invitation to now come and be a part of. In fact, placing the cloak on Elisha can be likened to when Jesus says, come and follow me. That was what this invitation was to Elisha. It was a come and follow me invitation. And so Elijah, he was already a capital P prophet, right? He was already doing all of the things but there was a need for him to invite, to invite somebody else to be a part of this journey, to invite somebody else to be part of this uh, kingdom adventure. And so he invites Elisha to be part of that. And what's really interesting is the where he was coming from and why he was coming from there, right? As the verse begins in verse 19, it says, so Elijah went from there. Well, where was there? If you go back earlier in the chapter, in uh, chapters 18 and chapters 19, there is a showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. There is a showdown between him and between those who are uh, worshiping uh, darkness and witchcraft. There's this, this monumental showdown. You can read that on your own. And Elijah prevails. He demonstrates very emphatically and very dramatically the power of the kingdom of God. And the result was that the king and the queen and those who were in authority put a hit out on Elijah. They didn't like what he was doing. They didn't like the disruption. They didn't like the challenge and the power play. And so they basically mobilized the army to chase Elijah down. So even though he had seen a miraculous demonstration of the power and the provision of God, now all of a sudden he's being pressed by the armies of men and Elijah runs away. He actually runs away into the desert and he gets like you and I would be, he gets super depressed. And as you read scripture, he's in the desert, he's depressed, he's not eating, he's all sad and sullen and sulking before the Lord. And he even starts to complain with these kind of nonsensical, large statements of untruth where he tells God, I'm the only person left in the whole world that loves you and is doing what's right. Have you ever felt that way? 
Have you ever come home from work and you're like, I'm the only Christian in all of Sterling. I'm the only person who loves Jesus in my whole, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, we, we sympathize with this. He was super depressed. And as the Lord comes, oh, there it is. And as the Lord comes and ministers to him and speaks to him, he has to coax him out of this depression and this doldrums and convince him that he still has a plan and a purpose for his life. He, he had become discouraged in his own kingdom adventure. And the Lord came and had to speak reassurance to him. But it's after that moment that he goes and he invites Elisha to be a part of what's going on. And it's so important to recognize that because you and I, we need the presence of others in our story and in our journey just for that encouragement factor, if for nothing else. When Paul talks about the way that the body of Christ is supposed to work, and you hear this quoted often from the front, where we will say that we as a church family are supposed to be designed to bear one another's burdens and to encourage one another daily. Things that Paul constantly litters his letters with in order to draw the church into that type of interaction. It's because we really need one another to move forward into the plans and the purposes that God has for us as individuals. And then certainly we have to move as one body in order to experience that as the collective. And so there's an invitation here that comes after the encouragement of, of Elijah, where he comes and he invites Elisha along. And so before we move forward into our sermon series, before we get too far down the road into what God is going to do with you, what is his plan and his purpose for your life, and how are you going to take steps of faith, I need you to recognize that even as you would consider that individually or in your own location and in your own context, that it's not to be only considered through your individual lens, but you need to be thinking about who is God going to bring to be part of this journeying story with you? Who are you going to invite Because what Elijah does is he invites Elisha to not just kind of be his attendant, not to just kind of come along and and, and make sure that he's cared for, but he invites him into a process of being developed and invested in, uh, to be encouraged, and, and really somebody to teach about how the things of the kingdom of God works. And that's Jesus's model as he invited the disciples, right? He didn't just invite them, say, hey, come and follow me, and then turn around and say, well, that's good enough. You said yes, now just kind of go and figure it out. But they spent day in and day out with Jesus for three full years learning about how to relate to their heavenly father and and learning about how to participate in the things of, of the kingdom of God, being taught about the Holy Spirit who is going to come and empower them and lead them into the fullness of that, that there was this, this process of growth and development, but it came with this invitation. And you and I, as you take steps of faith, as you say yes to Jesus, and as you begin to move forward as he would lead you, there needs to be a thought about who are you going to invite to be part of that with you? Who are you going to bring along? Because your kingdom adventure creates adventure for others. Mike's invitation, hey, let's go up to Edom Hill. He was going to go camping whether he invited me or not. But his invitation to be a part of it created adventure for me. You know, and I don't know if that's a wild adventure for you, just sleeping in a sleeping bag out in the dirt, but I mean, it was pretty cool at that point in time. I would pass on that adventure now. Let's do a kingdom adventure to Holiday Inn, and let's find somewhere else for the kids to go 
and let's have a kingdom adventure be a nap. That's where I'm at in, in some phases of, of my life right now. But there's this invitation to be part. Movement in your life, when you take steps of faith, it creates space behind you for others to take steps of faith with you. There's this growth and this movement that is created with us. And what's really, really interesting is if you go back to Elijah when he was depressed, when you go back to Elijah when he wanted to quit, when you go back to Elijah alone in the desert because he has run in fear and he wants to die, when you go back to that place, the Lord meets him there and draws him out of that. He speaks life into him. And here's what's important. It wasn't just for Elijah. Elijah needed to keep going for Elisha. Elijah needed to keep going because Elisha needed the invitation. And in fact, if you read the Old Testament, uh, just kind of the sequence of, of events here, when Elijah is taken to heaven, Elisha becomes the new capital P prophet. But he would not have been able to do that without the invitation. There would have been no seat for him at the table unless somebody had made space for him. Elijah had to continue to go on in order to make the room and the space and create the invitation opportunity for Elisha to step into the things that God had for him. It is so important for you to recognize that the places that you want to give up and the places that you want to quit, the places where you want to lean away from God's plans for your life, the places where it's difficult and you don't want to persevere, that you need to, not just for you, but you're going to impact the story of somebody behind you. That your step of faith is going to be used to create movement and step of faith that others can walk into. That when you speak up in your workplace and you share the, the transformation that's take pla taken place in your life, that as you share your story, that that becomes a catalyst of faith and hope in somebody else and it changes the direction of their life. We have to see this, this invitation to adventure as not just whether or not you and I want to stop being uh, comfortable or we want to risk it or we want to be willing to sacrifice for the, the things of the kingdom of God. We need to recognize that if we're not willing to go and to grow, then we will keep others around us from having the ability to grow and go as well. We'll, we'll cap them. That, that will be, in, in, a, in many ways, impeding their kingdom adventure because we passed on the invitation that God extends to us. Who will you invite? You may not be going very far right now, in a sense, or you may be just trying to figure out, who am I as I relate to the Lord, and what could Jesus possibly do with me? But, but you can help somebody get to at least where you are. Last week, we talked about our tendency to disqualify ourselves, that Jesus says, come and follow me. This is going to be super rad. And we say, well, I'm not ready yet. I don't know enough. I'm not sure. Or did you get the wrong person? And we need to recognize that his invitation to us is one that we can just say yes to. And you may not be able to get to the end of the journey on your own. Good. You can get to tomorrow. Take a step. You have everything that you need to say yes today to Jesus. And you can say yes today. And then you can say yes tomorrow. And you know what? A number of yeses in a row will get you to a place that you could have never anticipated arriving. 
but Jesus will move you in that direction. He'll make that, that way for you. You may not know very much, but what you do know, you can teach somebody else. And if all you know is, hey, when I get to church, something happens when I'm there, and I don't know what, but I feel different, you can share that. And you could share, you know, uh, deeper theological thoughts if you frame those things out. But whatever you know, you can transmit to somebody else, right? So you may not be able to teach calculus, but you can teach the difference between red and blue, right? Great. Preschool is a great place for you. Just start there. Teach what you know and grow as you go. But the invitation is important for us, not just to respond to the Lord's invitation to come and follow, but it's important for us to be inviting others to go with us and to be a part of what's going on. Because our adventure gives way to their adventure, just like it was Jesus who started it to begin with, right? As he moved into the plans and the purposes that included his death and resurrection, and he called this ragtag bunch of nobodies to be a part of it. Come and be a part of this wild, wild adventure. And then he says things that are super crazy where he looks at the disciples and he says, you're going to do greater things than I did. What? How? I'm going to show you the way. Because my adventure is going to become your adventure. The good news that I'm bringing and that I'm going to make available through my death and resurrection, you are going to share that good news with the ends of the earth. And so the invitation is important. But for you and I also, not just responding to the invitation, but how we're going to follow it is important as well. So if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 19, Elisha uh, receives Elijah's cloak, right? He gets the invitation. He gets the jacket, right, put on him. And then he says, hey, I'm going to say bye to moms and pops, and then I'm going to be right there. And then if you read the context, what does he do? He goes and his animals that he was using for his livelihood, the animals that he was using to plow the field, he, he slaughters those. The plows that he was using, the, the utensils that he used as the work of his hands to do the work in his life, he burned those, had a barbecue, and he left everything behind. And it's really important for us to recognize that when we are invited to follow Jesus, uh, into kingdom adventure, we need to choose to make sure there is no way for us to go back. What Elijah or what Elisha was saying in that act was, I'm going with you, Elijah, and I have nothing else to go back to. There's no safety net. I'm not returning to this type of life. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the disciples, right, when they got discouraged, many of them went back to what? Fishing. When Jesus said, come and follow me, and Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they left fishing, it doesn't say that they burned their boats or destroyed their nets. In fact, very frequently you find them going back to doing what they know when they're discouraged. Elisha, he, he burned what he had. There's actually a, a, a turn of phrase that's used in kind of uh, moving forward or kind of uh, uh, pushing forward into future transformation, and it's this phrase called burn the boats. Maybe you've heard of it. Before, there's a number of places in history where it's something that's illustrated. Uh, one famous one is in 1519, uh, Captain Hernan Cortez landed in Veracruz, Mexico. He came with uh, conquistadors and kind of the Spanish Armada. And when they landed in Mexico, he ordered his army to burn the boats, basically saying this, we're here to conquer this land or we're going to die here. But guess what, dudes, you're not going home. 
Like the, there's no turning back, right? And we've got that, that old time uh, song, right? I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Here's what I know, enough about me and enough about you. If there is a way to go back, I'll find it. I'll sing that song with great conviction, but if I leave a boat, hmm, I may drift back. And I love that with Elisha, there was this commitment and there's this persistence to move forward. And there was nothing that was going to stop him. What if the invitation that Jesus has given to you, what if the invitation to follow him, you responded in such a way where you left no safety net, where there was nothing to go back to? If you made that type of commitment and had that type of persistence, would it change the progress that you've made in your, in your adventure with Jesus to this point? I think that it would. Oftentimes, we kind of hedge our bets and we're looking for a way back. So how you follow is really important. One is that you don't leave a way back. You've got to be committed and persistent in pursuing the invitation of the Lord. But the other thing that you have to recognize is that the invitation is not uh, to just now. The invitation is to where Jesus is going to take you. Come and follow me wasn't a singular uh, decision moment. And then he said, great, you said yes to me. You're saved. I'll see you later. I got other things to do. It was a commitment to day in and day out following Jesus in a process of discipleship that required growth and it required training. It required development. And in fact, if you look at the disciples, some of them were really, really slow to develop well, as the Lord was very, very patient in bringing them along. And the invitation from Elijah to Elisha was the same type of invitation. Come and learn from me. Come and be developed. Come and be invested in. Come and grow. Come and be trained. What, what steps are you taking to grow, to develop, to be trained? Maybe you've said yes to following Jesus on this wild adventure, but you haven't learned how to pack your lunch to go on a day trip. You haven't, you haven't learned to develop some of the disciplines that would serve you as you move forward. And Jesus is super gracious. He'll actually stop until we learn some of those lessons. And many of us get frustrated in the plans and purposes that God has for us that we've heard very clearly. And maybe he's even given us a glimpse at the end. And we're wondering, why, why hasn't that happened yet? And it's like when I leave the house with my kids and I say, hey, we're going to go to the park. Get your shoes on. And they run out of the house with no shoes on. You guys, get your shoes on. We're going to go to the park. Dad, you said we're going to go to the park. We're ready to go to the park. No, put your shoes on. Put your, sho put your shoes on. We could have been at the park 15 minutes ago, but you still don't have your shoes on. You guys, we do that all the time. Can I tell you, if you're in a place where you feel like you're in a holding pattern, you're frustrated with the Lord that he gave you a dream or he spoke to you about who you were going to be, the man of God, the woman of God that you were designed to be, and you're not seeing forward movement, can I tell you that there's something about the preparation process that you have tried to skip or leave behind because it's been an inconvenience? I don't want to take the time to put my shoes on. I'm ready to go. I can go without shoes. No, you can't. If he's, if he's calling you to do it, we've got to be prepared to step into that. What, what invitation to develop can you, can you take now that will serve you down the road? I had a really, really fun conversation over the last couple of weeks with a woman in our church family who wants to grow. 
I love that. I love people who have a growing mindset, who don't want to be stagnant, who don't want to just kind of be apathetic, but they want to go and they want to be and they want to do and they want to see fruit in their lives. Like that gets me so, so excited. And her conversation was around wanting to know the word of God better, that, that she's tried to start Bible uh, reading plans where she's tried to read the whole Bible. She wants to grow. She wants to develop. And we had this great conversation about tools to do that. She's even looking into doing certificates for uh, um, uh, degrees and, and things like that as far as in biblical studies. Like there's just this hunger to go and to grow. And she knows that she doesn't know everything, but she wants to grow and she wants to learn and she wants to move forward. What can, what can you do? What can you do to prepare for the things that God has for you? Sometimes we, we want to say, hey, do you have a plan and purpose for my life? And he gives us a glimpse, and then we say, all right, make it happen. And he says, no, you have to prepare. You have to pack. Put on your shoes. Like, we got to get ready. If I get you to the end and you're not prepared, you won't be fruitful at the end. You'll be frustrated, and you'll be ineffective. What can you do Today, simple things that you can do to just prepare for your journey with Jesus. And maybe you're just kind of figuring this whole thing out. You're not even sure you want to say yes to that. You can begin to meet with him. You, you can begin to, to study the word of God. You can begin to spend some time in prayer. You can begin to worship. You can take just weekly baby steps with us on Sunday morning. That would be helpful. But you can begin to do that in your own daily life. You can begin to kind of Check it out. Put your toe in the water. Taste and see. Kind of, kind of develop some movement there. We've got some discipleship paths here as a church, mainly in our, uh, in our connect groups and with our equipping classes, places that you can learn or you can build community that will help you grow. Maybe that's just kind of a, a low-hanging piece of fruit that you can grab that says, hey, I'm going to invest in the man of God I'm supposed to be, the woman of God that God's designed me to be. I'm going I'm to begin to learn to move forward maybe in that area. Maybe it's a serving opportunity. Did you know that if you would put the needs of others first, if, if you will find a way to serve, whether it's within a ministry here at the church or just out inside of the community, incredible exponential growth happens when you decide to serve. I love missions trips. And what's funny is when you take a missions team on a missions trip, they all think we're going to go and we're going to bless that place. Oh, they're going to be so blessed because I showed up and because, oh, I'm going to do so much. And it's never that way. It's, ever that, it's always that people come back and God changed them more than the place that they were sent to because it was about him working in them through service. Very often that is the experience. But how, how can you grow? How can you train? How can you develop? What will you do to, to, to move forward? Whatever kingdom adventure Jesus is beckoning you into right now, it will require those things. It will require you to invite people to be a part of that. It will, inquire, it will require community to be a part of that. It's going to require a commitment and a persistence that says, I'm going to burn the boat and I'm not going back. It will require moving forward in, in that way. And it's going to require growth and training and development. And when you get to 2 Kings chapter 2, I'm not going to have time to go through the context this morning, but I just want to frame out what happens there. It's, it's the end of Elijah and Elisha's story together. Everything before the event that we read is Elijah and his kingdom adventure with the Spirit of God. 
And everything after 2 Kings chapter 2 is Elisha and his kingdom adventure with the Spirit of God. But in between is them together, God using both of them to sharpen and encourage and to move together in tandem. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, you come to the end of Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah knows that he is going to be going home, that he is taken to heaven. And he's looking for his replacement. He actually goes to Bethel, and he goes to Jericho. He goes to another community. He goes to the school of prophets. He goes to kind of the the community of prophetic leaders, and he's looking for his successor. All the while, Elisha's like, hey, I'm right here. And he actually says this. He says, Elisha, I've got to go to Bethel. You hang out here. I'm going to come back to you. Now, that's my, my vernacular paraphrase. You can read it on your own. But he basically says, hey, stay here, kid. I'll come back. And Elisha says, wherever you go, I'm going to go. He said, fine, you can tag along. And he goes to Bethel and has a conversation with the prophetic uh, leaders there. And then he says, I've got to go to Jericho because he didn't find what he was looking for there. And he said, Elisha, you just stay here and I'll come back for you. I've got to go to Jericho. And he says the same thing, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Fine, you can tag along. Same thing happens there. A third time it happens. And then all of a sudden, Elijah has like this moment where he's like, wait a second, this has happened three different times. Something significant is going on here. And he looks at Elisha and he says, what do you want? And he says, I want a double portion of what you have. Whatever God is doing in your life, whatever adventure you have been on, Elijah, I want that and more. And Elijah looks at him and he says, if you are with me when the Lord takes me, he'll do that. And you see in, in 2 Kings chapter 2, you see that persistence and you see that commitment. And that's what takes place. When Elijah is removed and taken to heaven, Elisha becomes the new capital P prophet. There's a handing off of the baton, and the adventure that had been Elijah's becomes Elisha's adventure. And that's how the Lord uses us together to grow and to go and to develop and to hand off opportunities to others. And and this morning, we've got an opportunity to celebrate some of the things that God's been doing like that in our church family. I've got a few people who I'm going to invite to to come forward and join me up here. Uh, uh, Pastor Beth, Megan, Pastor Cameron, Pastor Tom, Pastor Bob, if you guys would all come and join me up here. You guys can just spread out around here. I got to keep this at least accessible and handy. So a couple of things real quick, church family. Those of you who have joined us uh, post kind of COVID reopening, this is Pastor Bob. I told you he exists. He's real. Pastor Bob has been serving as the interim pastor in Akron. Last week we got to celebrate Pastor Rich becoming the new lead pastor. Pastor Bob is back with us today. It's going to be short-lived. He's going on a three-week vacation, and that's because we think that he needs a break. He'll be back with us on June 20th, and he will be back uh, fully in the saddle by then. If you've joined us in the last six months or so, you might not know Pastor Tom. He's somebody we've spoken of. He exists. He's here this morning. He's still functioning as the interim pastor in Fort Morgan, and he's helping that church transition. We've got some new pastors and leaders coming in there at the end of the summer. But I'm so excited to have them back this morning to be part of what, what we're doing. Um, because there's a few things where uh, God is, is changing uh, or extending 
the adventure of some of our uh, some of our leaders here. And one is Pastor Beth, if you would come out just kind of in, in front here. Uh, Pastor Beth has done a ton of stuff in our church family. You guys uh, already know that. She is a co-pastor uh, with me. She's our Inspire Hub pastor. Uh, she has worked for our district of Foursquare Churches as the director of leadership development. So she's got a lot of hats. She's got a lot of things going on. Um, but one of the new things that God is doing in her and we're so excited about is she has been asked by our denomination leadership to uh, function in the role as associate supervisor for our new district of 18 churches. And she's going to be stepping into that 16 churches. States. Yeah, whatever. Hold on a second. I'm going to take a sidebar real quick. Do you guys know why I drink water during our message? It's not because I'm parched. Did you know that water helps your brain synapses function better? And when I feel my mind drift in, like that's the tell. You're welcome, world. But Pastor Beth is going to be stepping into associate, associate supervisor role for our, uh, for our district uh, of states, not churches. Um, and we're going to be praying over her as she steps into that role. If you would go ahead and extend your hands out. Um, and pastoral team, if you would lay hands on her. Lord, we thank you so much for what you have begun in Beth. Lord, and what you continue to do, we thank you that you continue to expand her capacity and expand her influence. Lord, we're so, um, Lord, we're so excited. We are anticipating a great move of what you would do, not just in her, but through her. Lord, I thank you that she's said yes um, to being developed, that she's said yes to growing. Lord, that she's said yes to pushing through things that are hard in order to become all that you have called her to be. And we thank you for this next stage in her journey. We thank you for this next uh, adventure with you. We pray that you would bless her, uh, that you would make straight her path. Lord, that you would give her wisdom, that you would give her clarity of thought and speech. Lord, that you would give her uh, the leading and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to step fully into this new assignment. And we released her into that as a church family, Lord. We thank you and we praise you for what you've done and what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as we're going to clap. Um, as Beth is stepping into that role, she's going to be doing more co-pastoring uh, with me. She's going to be doing a lot of, of district things as well. But whenever you move forward, right, it creates space for others. And we're, we're really excited to, to let you know as a church family that Megan, if you would come forward here. Um, Megan is going to be stepping into some of the space that Beth is leaving behind, some of the day-to-day -day, uh, things here at the church, and she's going to be stepping in uh, to leading our Inspire Hub, uh, and not as our Inspire Hub, just kind of director or babysitter or something along that lines, but in the last couple of weeks, uh, Megan has finished up her licensing process with Foursquare, and she will be stepping into our Inspire Hub role as our Inspire Hub pastor. And we are so excited, so proud of you for that. And as we kind of hand that baton off, Pastor Beth is going to pray over you. If you would extend your hand, church family. Lord 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, that you are a God that walks with us, Lord, and that you lead us every step of the way. And I thank you for the courageous faith that Megan has shown every single step of the way, Lord, from six, seven, eight years ago as she first said yes to being a part of the worship team, Lord, to the faithfulness which she has served with, Lord, never looking for recognition or accolades or promotion, God, but you were preparing her, Lord, every single step of the way, God. I thank you for her humility, but also her courage, God. And right now, Lord Jesus, um, in the same way that we uh, spoke about and looked about today in your word with Elijah and Elisha, Lord God, pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just pour out your presence over her life in a fresh way, Lord God, that a a double portion, Lord God, of what has been on my life for worship would be on her in this moment, Lord God. I just pray for a mantle of your anointing to fall on her, Lord God, not just for worship, Lord Jesus, but as a pastor, God, as she stands up on the platform and as she leads, God, as she looks out at your people, God, this is your church, Lord God, but that there would be a mantle of leadership on her, God, to see as you see, God, to have a heart that you have for the people, Lord God, that there would be discernment, Lord God, for how to blaze the trail ahead of people and to lead them into your presence, Lord God, and that you would give her fresh vision and fresh dreams, God, for what you would do for worship in this church, God, and beyond, God, into our community, into this region, Lord, that this would be a place of sending, that this would be a place of your anointing, God, that people would come to find hope and they would be launched out because of her ministry, because of her leadership. In Jesus' name, let it be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Uh, Go ahead and stand this morning. Let's go ahead and celebrate the Lord and what he's doing. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Worship team, if you would come back forward. If you have been with us for any amount of time as a church family, you know some things about us. You know our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. So who's next? Right, that's when everybody's like, uh... If you say yes to Jesus, like the wild adventure that he will lead you on, you say yes today, you say yes tomorrow, you keep putting one step in front of the other, where he takes you will surprise you. What he does with your life will surprise you. And it will not only bear fruit in your life and bring blessing to you and your family, more importantly, he will use it to bear fruit and blessing into the lives of others. Amen? Amen. Action steps for you this week. You can snap a picture of it or you can catch online. Here they are. There's three questions to consider. Number one is think this week what deliberate step you can take to grow spiritually. Number two, how can you make a commitment to follow through? How do you burn the boats as you move forward into that? Number three, who are you going to invite to participate with you in that?